Are you ready to go offside? Because it's Offside Hockey Talk with your host, James Roberts. Ladies and gentlemen, I am honored to have back with us today John Derringer of Q107. We talked earlier in the season. It was an intermission talk. was pretty quick. So I wanted to have him back on, talk a little bit more Leafs. Obviously, John is a big Leafs fan. John, without further ado, how are you doing today? Very well, James. Thanks a lot for uh, for inviting me back. Uh, I re- really enjoy your uh, your stuff on Twitter, and uh, like uh, like so many of us, it's pretty clear what a great, passionate, uh, engaged Leafs fan you are. So it's really my pleasure, buddy. Well, I super appreciate that, and I have to ask after last night. We know what happened with the trade with the LA Kings. I'm wondering, instant gut reaction. How do you feel about Campbell and adding Kyle Clifford? Uh, well, ha- had to be done. Uh, there, I, I think you know whether or not you agree with the, the pieces that came and went. I, you know, is ob- obviously going to be up for debate. But this is something that has been discussed for a long time, and I think these these last couple of games, um, you know, uh, they're. they're Certainly, with the backup goaltender, uh, we it, it was it was just time. And uh, from that standpoint, I, I think that although you know Campbell may be the more talked about piece here, I, I get the impression that uh, Toronto Maple Leaf fans, knowing the kind of players that we love to wrap not necessarily our heads but our hearts around, uh, Kyle Clifford is, is 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 that kind of guy and. You know, nobody thinks he's you know going to be a, a Rocket Richard candidate, but that's not why he's going to be here. Even if it is for a, for a short time, I I think he'll be a, a fan favorite immediately. Oh, I think what he brings will definitely you know bode well with the fans, especially a lot of people who say the Leafs need more sandpaper, a little bit more you know toughness. He adds that, but he still has you know the the playmaking and scoring scoring ability as well. But the only thing that uh, people were worried about is his foot speed. But I mean. If he's the last guy into the zone with two speedy other players, I mean, it's not so bad. You look at Jason Spezza, everybody said that he's no longer fleet of foot, but he seems to be getting along just fine with uh, Janssen and Kapanen and Yangval and all those kind of guys, so I don't see that being too much of an issue for him. Spezza's been such a nice addition, hasn't he? I mean, I think the expectations have been reasonable from the fan standpoint, from the organization standpoint for that matter, from his own standpoint. And, you know, he, he is definitely a piece that was necessary in the dressing room from the, the veteran standpoint, guy who's been there. And, man, it is an amazing, James, to see just the little differences, the way Keith coaches, celebrating players' milestones, celebrating hometowns. And and really, they don't mean a ton. You know, a guy can take the opening face off in his hometown and, you may not see him a ton in the rest of the game, but i got to believe that means an awful lot to the players. Well, you know, we just talked about Spezza, and you look at it, the beginning of the season with Mike Babcock and not being on the uh, the ice or even in the lineup for that first home game for the Toronto Maple Leafs, which meant a lot to him, had a lot of friends and family in the stand. So, you know, it, it bodes well to get on a guy's good side, so to speak, but also you play up to that stuff because the team buys into it, the fans buy into it, and, you know, fans aren't dumb anymore. We're all into this stuff. We all know where where a guy's from or, you know, who he's got at the game or what's happening, you know, and, and how bad it is. And You look at Leafs Nation and, and the vitriol that went towards, you know, Mike Babcock after he didn't start Spets at the beginning of the season, you know, and, and all the, the non-fanfare for him, 
you know, and also that helped Spezza, I think, a little bit too, because at the beginning of the season, I was one of the guys saying, I don't think he's going to last the year just because of his age and speed of the game and everything. But, you know, I was wrong and happily so. But, you know, it also went with him because everybody stuck by his side and said, hey, you should have done this with Spezza. You should have done that. Now Keith's embracing it. So you're right. That is pretty awesome to see. And, and you know, when it comes to, 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 uh, to, to Campbell, uh, well, I, I guess we're all, we're all about to find out here. I mean, it's a wide-open hockey team. He's going he's gonna to get a lot of action. There's, there's no doubt about that. But I think we all know the volatility of that position. It is it's basically like carrying around nitroglycerin. <laughs> a star in November can, can be a failure in February, right? But Well, it's I like uh, Friedman said last night, you know, there's two jobs in Canada, the worst jobs here, and that's being the Prime Minister and second is being the goaltender for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, ain't that the truth, eh? And as we've seen, there are some guys that love everything about this market. They love the intensity. They love the fact that there are tons of reporters there every day. And then there are other players who who don't love it so much. And I guess we'll we'll soon find out whether or not that's something that Jack Campbell becomes. I, I mean, are, are, is he going to be starting the back-to-back this weekend? I don't know if he's going to be starting the back-to-back. I know he's probably going to get at least one of the games. And if Freddie's not back, I would say it's probably Saturday. Give him a couple days, a couple games of practice. Get a game in with the team to see what everything goes and how everything flows. But I would say Saturday night you'd see Campbell and Nett if Freddie's not back. What do you think happens then if Freddie's not back? If Freddie's not back, then you definitely, uh, I think you ride the guy you just brought in, which is Campbell. And this isn't the first time that Dubas has traded for Campbell either. He did it when he was with the Sioux Greyhounds as well. So he's familiar with the player from that standpoint. He already knows what he's getting with this guy. And also he took a uh, page right of uh, Alex Anthopoulos' book and made the trade with a guy with term. So, you know, a guy that they can control going forward because he has this year and two more at 1.65 mils. So they have the guy not just for this year as well. So, But I, I think to answer your question fully, it will be Campbell's crease. Um, Hutchinson obviously just showed that he can't, you know, bear the load. And I don't even know if Hutchinson stays as backup. I don't know if Kaskaskuo takes that spot, but he hasn't done much either. So I, I definitely think it's Campbell's crease to lose. I, I would agree. I'm wondering, just from Hutchinson's standpoint, it's, you know, it's like you were going out with somebody and you were going out for like six months and one night at dinner she says, okay, I'm not into this anymore. We'll catch you later. And two days later she calls and says, oh, I got a family event on the weekend. You want to come? That's the way Michael Hutchinson must feel. I mean, there's there seems to be little doubt that even though there had been some lead-up time to this deal that it was, you know, the organization, essentially the team saying, okay, this is it. You're no longer our guy. Man, that's got to be tough to slink back into that dressing room. Well, it definitely would be, but, I mean, this is not the first time the Maple Leafs organization as a whole have done this before. Uh, I mentioned it last episode when I talked with Mike Camito. You know, the Leafs had did it with uh, James Reimer after he drugged them to the playoffs. You know, they brought in Jonathan Bernier to supplant him. And then, of course, they did the exact same thing this summer with Hutchinson again, bringing in uh, Neuwirth, hoping that he could be the, uh, you know, be-all, end-all of the backup situation. So Michael Hutchinson's kind of been kicked around in Toronto a little bit. But, I mean, at the same time, what do we always say in sports? You have to seize your opportunity and seize the moment. 
when he got the crease. He didn't. I mean, look at how long it took for him to get a victory as a Maple Leaf. And if you look at the standings of teams with their backup goalies and the points they get, they keep showing it on Sportsnet. I think Toronto's only got nine, and all the other teams are up into the 30 points with their backup goaltenders. So that is alarming. So it shows Hutchinson's not getting it done. So, you know, to say, you know, you went to dinner and everything was great, and then all of a sudden you're not interested. Well, it's been a long feeling out process. You know, it was almost like in the summertime they said, okay, we're going to see if we can make things work. And now it's just, it's not going to work and we're going to part ways. Which I think when Freddie comes back, both Hutch and Cass go down to the minors and this will be the last year of Hutch in Toronto. Well, I I would would guess you're right on that one. You know, the other thing I think we found out yesterday, and really, I I don't think it's a huge surprise to any any of us, that, you know, the one piece that we're going to continue to talk about here is that right-handed defenseman that we would consider to be an upgrade. If this is what a backup and a piece cost, I I can't imagine how many really good roster players you're going to give up for that the right hand D that we envision. Well, you know, I look at this trade a lot differently, and maybe it's because I choose to stay on the positive side of things. But I look at Trevor Moore. Yes, he brings a lot of the Zach Hyman esque kind of work qualities, but at the same time, he just came back from what was so I guess a concussion. Um, you know, he was in the bottom six role. Um, the upside may have been there, but he's a California kid, so he's going home. And then you spend the draft picks with conditions on them. Um, you know, I look at it like this. You spent these assets here. You went roster player for roster player, getting rid of uh, Trevor Moore, bringing in Kyle Clifford. And then you added the backup goaltender you needed without subtracting from your roster. So if you look at all the other deals that were supposedly out there, look at Darren Dreger saying that Rasmus Sandin wouldn't have got you a Gorgiev out of uh, the Rangers, which I think is absolutely bananas. I think Rasmus Sandin fetches you Gorgiev plus in my own eyes. But now you have Kapanen and Janssen that were the ones who were rumored to go out to go and get you that backup goaltender, still in your stable, still able to be traded, and now you can go out and look for that defenseman if you covet it and maybe package a Kapanen with a draft pick or a Kapanen with a prospect. And then you go and flip that and go and get the defenseman you want. Will it get you Dumba or Petrangelo? I don't know if it'll get you the upper echelon, but it'll definitely bring back something. And there's a lot of names out there. And one guy that's on a team that we don't like very much here in Toronto and Montreal is Jeff Petrie. And I think he'd look really good in a Leafs uniform. I I don't disagree with that. I I would say, though, that Toronto, uh, every general manager knows the way this city operates. Every general manager knows their both short-term and long-term goals. They know the players they have, the players they have secured and therefore, I think, can take a pretty good guess, too, at what the Leafs' window is. There is a bit of a whiff of desperation, I would guess, every time Kyle Dubas talks to another general manager. I'll give you an example. Washington, Boston. Two teams, one of them the Leafs would have to beat to, 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 to make the Stanley Cup final. Neither one of those teams has a glaring hole. The Leafs do. The Leafs have a glaring hole, so that that guy that may have, you may have gotten with for Kapanen under other circumstances is now Kapanen and another player because you're desperate. That's a little bit of a concern for me because I think it also betrays a bit of Kyle Dubas's stubbornness on on what's happened here. And you know, it's funny 
I was thinking last night when finding out and watching the game, and thought, you know, as, as many differences as there were between Babcock and, and Dubas, and we know there were a ton, one thing they seem to have in common is that they truly believe their way is the right way, and they're stubborn about it. And stubbornness can be a great quality. It can also be your downfall. No, definitely. You have to be open and willing to change to ideas. And I think Kyle Dubas is more able to do that than Babcock was. But, I mean, if you look and sit down and look at all the uh, tweets, I can't pick anybody off the top of my head right now who's put it out there. But if you look at the record right now under Keefe and you extrapolate that to the fact if he went over the entire season, the Leafs would be above the Tampa Bay Lightning right now in the standings just by going, you know, with the record that Keefe has and then expanding on it. Um, so, I mean, Kyle Dubas, it was rumored by certain people that he wanted Babcock gone tail end of last season. Um, in speaking with Michael Zeisberger, he said that the reason why they kept him was that game five against Boston and how he pushed the right buttons and got them to go forward. Um, so it bought him more time. I'm thinking that they should have started the season with a fresh coach and a fresh, fresh approach, especially bringing in new players. I'm wondering where you stand on that. Well, I, I, I would love to know what actually happened there. there you know, and you're right. There, the rumors, whether it was ownership, or, you know, whether it was Shanahan, but there certainly is the impression out there that Dubas was stopped from doing what he wanted to do. And I, I, I think we agree that yes, it would have been a much different season this season had had Sheldon Keith been been the coach from the beginning. Uh, so from that standpoint, I think that would be really, really fascinating because one of the things that this organization has done well is they have kept their dirty laundry and all their laundry in-house. So we don't know, and, and we can, you know, we can speculate for for days about what happened, why it happened. Is it Dubas's fault? Was it Babcock's fault? Was it ownership's fault? Who knows? We we, we don't really have a clue. Yeah, that that would have changed things immensely. I I I don't doubt that. But something did happen, and uh, you know you know what, James? I I, I don't know if we we talked about this uh, la, the the last time we spoke, but you know when I when I look back on that 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 last, the last series against Boston, the Game Seven, they didn't lose that series in Game Seven. They lost the series in Game Six. Oh yes, a hundred percent. Going into Game Six was probably the most Positive, the most optimistic that I've been in, a, in 20 years as a Leafs fan. They got Boston at home. It's game six. And the disappointment of that game, to me, almost rivals the game sevens. That was horrible the way they came out in that game. It was, it was terrible. I, I think I would have had that decision in my head in management at that point. This, well, yeah, it's on the coach to get them up and ready. They weren't prepared for game six at home against your arch rival, and they laid an egg. Yeah, it's unacceptable. Absolutely. That's where you're right. I would have pulled the plug there. Um, you know, Barry trots them, even if they won the Stanley Cup, let them walk off. Um, you know, it, it's hard to do the ifs and the whats and the buts, right? And right now, you look at the record under Keefe, it's not bad. We came to the All-Star break flying. We won three in a row. We've lost two. And why did we lose two? Namely because our starting goaltender is not there. Um, and we didn't have a backup to do it. Now we do have a backup. I'm wondering, I've, I've asked this question of many people. 
What are your thoughts going forward to this season? Do they make the playoffs? Or is this like the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning a few years ago where they had a stellar team, put a race together at the end, but fall short and then come storming out the next year? Well, certainly the optimist in me sees them go on that run that we definitely know they're, they're, they're capable of. So my heart is 100% they make the playoffs and, and then, you know, rally and, and, and great things happen. But, you know, one of the things that I that – and, and look, I, I know that those who have played the game say players don't really take nights off. It may appear that to, to as a fan. But, okay, as, a, as nothing more than a fan and a guy who never played at a spectacularly high level, I'm, I'm willing to buy that. Hang on one second. Well, I'm going to jump in on this one right quick, only because I just finished listening to the Spit and Chicklets podcast and listened to Paul Bissonnette and Ryan Whitney – and listening to the interview with the Chucks, um, they were the first ones to tell you that there's nights you get to the rink that you, you're not feeling it, and you do have a night off. So those are guys who actually played the game, and I love the way they, they, they reference it or say it. You know, they, they tell you that if anybody's telling you that you don't have an off day or you don't have your full game with you every single night, and they tell you that they don't, they're telling you a story that's not true because, you know, you get to the rink sometimes, even when you get to work some days, you just don't have it. And other players or other people have got to carry the load. So, you know, hearing that well, from them, that that made me be like, okay, so guys do have nights off. Guys, not not so much as take a night off, but you're just not feeling it, and it happens. Well, okay, uh, but there's a big difference between a night off in a meaningless end of October game and a night off like they took against Chicago or against Florida. Oh, Those for are sure, unacceptable nights off. And there's also a difference. Paul Bissonnette, great fun guy. Never a great NHL player. But Paul Bissonnette playing really well had no effect on the Arizona Coyotes when he was playing in the NHL. Oh, no, I, I know. I just, I'm I, just saying I, the fact that they talked to so many different NHLers, right? I mean, they they all talk about it, you know, amongst each other. You know, and that's him shedding just a little light on the fact that it happens. But, I mean, you talk about those two games there, and it's a trickle-down effect. I mean, if you're at the water cooler at work and one guy's, you know, spouting off negativity – you know, and then it, it breeds into you a little bit, and then maybe you say something that goes to the next person. The next thing you know, it's a lot of, you know, meh, 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 meh going on, and you're not feeling the greatest about it. And sometimes that happens. I mean, we watched it happen under Babcock, but I mean, you know, there's no excuse, really. They should be ready to go. But again, I, I put the onus on either whether it was Babcock or now Sheldon Keefe to straighten that out. And I think they, they sent a little message with Casper Kapanen sleeping in. You know, they, they sent a little, hey, Okay, fun time's over. Now, if you're going to start messing up, there's going to be consequences no matter what your nameplate is. What was interesting about that one, too, is is that I think was an even bolder move by the Leafs because he was talked about and possibly dangled as, as a trade piece, right? So you're willing to do this to, to a guy who you may have to turn around and, and move in two weeks. Needless to say, there would be there would be questions about about why. And again, because they do such a great job of keeping things in-house, we have no choice but to believe the very little they gave us on that. And I'm not by any means suggesting that it was anything more than being late for practice. But I think if you kind of read between the lines, this was not the first time. Well, we don't ever hear the word pattern. Yeah, but, you hear okay, the word pattern. Know, but I, I want to get back to the nights off, though. And yep. maybe maybe we're talking th- something a little bit different here. And this came up with Babcock. And 
And again, not being a guy who played in the league, I I, I understand in in my job it happens. It, in most people's jobs, we go to work and you know, man, that day we're just not a hundred percent in it. What I did here, almost every player I heard interviewed on the subject say doesn't happen. And I was a little surprised by this. Teams don't quit on coaches. Teams don't go out and purposely try and lose hockey games. Now, maybe that's so that's just kind of lost in the translation. That, you know, it certainly appeared that way. You know what? I I don't think that... I, I don't think that guys go out intentionally wanting to lose. But I think if you were to tell anyone, if you're an NHL player, that the message from a coach has got lost, that it's falling on deaf ears, so, you know, you no longer have the read of the room, um, you know, that stuff does happen. You know, and maybe guys just don't want to say that because they like the coach as a person or, you know, they don't want to throw a guy under the bus because you never know you may have to play for that guy again. You know, you never know what the real true reason is, but I definitely think that the Toronto Maple Leafs this year gave up on Babcock and had enough. And it showed on the ice. It showed off the ice. I mean, what was the story? Um, so Babcock, I guess, was so 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 omnipresent with the team that guys would actually hide in the steam room to get away from him, to get a minute. You know, he was always micromanaging and always on top of them. And when I heard that quote, I was like, wow. You know, but he would always just be standing there looking at them. Not saying much, just standing and watching. So guys fair, would sneak away. Enough, but, but I think what I would bring up in that context is Florida and Chicago. He wasn't the coach. Nope. At the end of the day, this will always come down to the players. It's it's maturity. It's like Sheldon Keefe said, right? And Kristen Shelton tried to, to poke a little bit more out of him, you know, the other night when they were up 3-1. You know, it's a maturity thing. Um, last year we talked about Game 6, you know, when they could have closed it out at home. Again, a maturity thing. You know, it's being ready and being on those stages. You know, you can be on all the big stages going through junior, but nothing sets you up like the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's a completely different animal, and that's why everybody says it is, because that's what it is. It's different emotions, different amped up, and if you're not readily available in your own mind... You're not going to be there. And you look at those two games, and again, it goes back to maturity. You know, when things aren't going your way, you know, when you're young, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was anywhere between 20 and 25, when things didn't go my way, I wasn't always the most pleasant to deal with or easy to work with or wanting to get things done. You know, sometimes you just, I don't know, fumble through it. And yes, they're millionaires, but, you know, like uh, Keith Chuck said, these guys are getting loads of money earlier in their career, not having to fully earn it like the older guys did. So it's a different earnest and a different generation. And also these guys receive messages differently. You know, you look at the, the old way of coaching, you know, it was, you know, you'd lay into some guys to let them know to light a fire under them. Kind of like last year when with the Dallas guy coming out and saying, you know, what uh, Tyler Sagan and, and Jamie Ben were playing like, you know, so... I, there's a lot of things. You can make excuses for it. At the end of the day, these guys are, you know, finally two athletes who should show up and play, but unfortunately it didn't go down that way. No, true, and you know what? I mean, I, I certainly Marner has, has done his job. Matthews has just been on fire, uh, and we know we're certainly familiar with, with Tavares, although that was a, a different situation. But 
I think the danger with this new way of doing things where, you know, players come out of their ELC and get a massive payday is that is that's going to work with those who have a built-in work ethic for those who the Conrad Davis, you know, like as, as, as is often said, the, the greats in any sport would play for free. They just love to practice. They love to play. But not every player in the NHL is like that. And I think what eventually will happen is somebody will sign a 22-year-old who decides his life is set now and he just takes seasons off. Fortunately, we haven't seen that yet. But as we also know, what comes with nine, ten, twelve million dollar a year paydays is a responsibility. And and people, I don't think, I don't think people care that much that you're young when you're being paid that way. Because I don't know about you, James. I did remarkably stupid things when I was 21, but I wasn't making eleven million dollars a year. No, <clears throat> I wasn't making eleven million dollars a year. I also didn't have a microscope on me media following me on my every move and you know basically everyone monitoring my my every day you know what i mean so it's it's a little different the pressure is definitely there for these guys but it's like we keep saying same time you guys have to show up and there has to be eventually like you said the work ethic switch has to go off and be on all season long and right now i think what shell and keep keep saying about maturity i think that's where they are right now they're learning how to keep that on all the time and I remember when Austin Matthews, his first year and second year in the league, they used to ask him, you know, what do you do in your spare time? And he used to say he watched Sidney Crosby. He'd watch what Crosby does in face-offs, what Crosby did in the zone, <clears throat> how he battled for the puck, how he did this, how he did that. You know, you don't hear that out of him as much anymore. Uh, not to say that he's not working and not learning and not improving, but it was interesting early on to hear Matthew say those things because that means you're a student of the game. That means you're paying attention and you want to grow and you're watching one of the best to do it, you know, and you're, you're learning from him. So not to say that he's not doing it now, but it's something I haven't heard. You know, they still ask him, you know, what are you doing to learn this or what are you doing on that? So I I don't know. These guys need to, to pick it up in my eyes right now. I hear you know what? And that's, that's a good point. And I think historically the greatest athletes have also been students of their game. And, and I, 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 I tend to, look at things a little differently the rare time we hear somebody say you know uh, uh gretzky was the 90s i couldn't care less about you know that I, I don't even know who he is you go ah, oh, you know what you might want to do yourself a favor and you know maybe watch a little bit of what he did or and not only that uh, particularly in a case of, of a guy like gretzky who needless to say set the bar pretty high but the way he handled himself off the ice as well. Let me ask you something, because this is... And, buddy, I could talk all day with you about this, and I know you could, too. It's <laughs> awesome. Talking leapers is just the best. But one of the big questions, and I'd love to get your opinion on it, and I know it's something that you have talked about. You, you, the, the way the team is currently constituted, let's just assume the price is too high coming up to the trade deadline for that right-handed defenseman. Can this team as currently constituted, go far in the NHL playoffs? I think you can make the third round. Um, do I see you going all the way? Um, no. Um, but the thing with this team is, as we've seen all season long, is they are able to be world beaters and dominant, like they were against Florida the other night. Even though they lost, they owned that game. It just didn't fall their way in the third period because, again, between the years wasn't there. 
Hutchinson wasn't ready, whatever you want to call it. But this team is constructed a way that, yes, can win. Um, they can definitely go out and win a playoff round. And, I mean, I'm going to say this. The past two years against Boston, we went to Game 7. We weren't swept. We weren't utterly, you know, fed our lunch. You know, two years ago against Boston, we were up in Game 7. That's why it hurt so much. You know, and then Game 7 again. So, I mean, this team, as it's currently constructed, definitely. Adding a player like Kyle Clifford with a little grit and sandpaper to himself, that'll help. Especially a guy that, you know, has played with Muzzin before. The two of them can feed off each other a little bit, maybe get their own juices going. Then you got a guy in Campbell who's going to come in, hopefully stop you some pucks, get you some points, give Freddie a little extra rest going into the playoffs. Hopefully, you know, this neck sniff, sniff, uh, stiffness goes away. And he's able to, you know, bounce back and come through the playoffs. But there, you asked me this team. I think this team has all you need. You have your two top flight centers. You have wingers up the wazoo from Marner, Hyman, Janssen, Kapanen, Kerfoot. Um, you keep going. You know, it's there. They have depth on forward down in the uh, the Myers. We haven't even seen yet that they definitely will call up when rosters expand in Kenny Augustino. Um, you know, and those players who played in the NHL down there as well. Um, you look at the defense. Do they have a lot of depth there? Well, no, but you know what? You bring in this goaltender and you bring in this forward and you see what happens. But you get a healthy... Here's a here's something no one's talking about right now. You got Muzzin back. You went on a three-game winning streak with Hall. You get Anderson back and then you get Riley back, you know, just after the trade deadline or whatever it is. I think the eight weeks is the first or second week of March. That's a huge trade deadline acquisition. A healthy, hungry, rested Morgan Riley. That is something no one is talking about right now. No one has even brought him up because he's gone for so long with his foot. But you add him into the lineup, especially given the fact that everybody has been saying all year long he's been banged up. So now he comes back and he's going to be fully healthy and ready to roll and rested on top of that. This team can definitely do some noise. Definitely make some noise for sure. Okay, how about, how about the flip side then? What if by the time Morgan Riley comes back, the team is all but statistically eliminated from the playoffs? How does, and let's say they end up missing the playoffs by, by say, three points. How do you see that? I know you're not an angry kind of guy, <laughs> and there would, be some, there would be some of that, but do you see... Do you put together the, you know, the injuries, Freddie, Riley, and say, hey, it was it was a hiccup? No, or I put together the whole the whole thing. This is deeper than that because you look at the fact is you made the coaching change and you had positive yield. So you should have made that earlier. So there's a lesson learned. You had injuries. Everybody has injuries, so that's not an excuse. You need to figure out the depth and keep it rolling. Uh, I would not be angry because I just mentioned it not too long ago about the Tampa Bay Lightning and what they did, you know, with their stellar squad, but they missed the playoffs by one point. It was because of the Maple Leafs they missed, you know. So you go in and you think about that, okay, and what has Tampa done after that? They came back hungrier. They got smarter. They, you know, used their cap space wisely. So the Leafs will have some cap space this summer. What do they go and do? Do they go and chase a big fish like Petter Angelo? Who knows? It's all pie-in-the-sky thinking. But if they are out of it, you know, then we'll have a better read by the trade deadline if they're going to be out of it. So at that point, you start looking at your own free agents and saying, hey, what can I get for Muzzin? What can I get for Barry? You know, what can I get for X player? 
you know, and start looking. But you also have to look at the squad, you know, and see we're not that far out. There's lots of road left, you know, and Lou Amaro is always famous in saying, if you have time, use it. Toronto has time. They're not far away from it. If they would have won last night, we would have been back into third in the Atlantic, and this conversation would probably be a lot different. But we have the road. We made a move. We have to see what the yield of the move will be. But, you know, you you made that move for the guys in the locker room is what you did that for. I remember back when the Blue Jays were doing well and they didn't make any moves at the trade deadline and Batista and Jansen came out and they were very vocal of the fact they think that the GM should have gave them some help. You know, this squad, obviously, it's from a fan standpoint, we know we needed a defenseman. We know that we need a goaltender for a backup. And we know that we need some sandpaper. So what did he go and do? He went and got a backup. And he went and got the sandpaper. And I'm sure he's trying to figure out how to get a defenseman. But right now what we have, I, I think this team can put it all together. And like I said, you have a healthy Morgan Riley coming back. You have Ilya Mikheyev, who hopefully will be back by the playoffs. Already in the Leafs locker room, walking around talking to the boys. No brace on, minor bandages on. So positive gains there for him. So there's, there's lots to be excited about. And like I said, you got the road, use the road. Look ahead. You guys, you can do this. You know you can. Everybody in Leafs Nation knows that they can. But it's just, the one thing I have to say, John, it's it's absolutely horrible going on any social media after a Leaf win or a Leaf loss. Because if they win, they didn't win good enough. If they lost, the whole team needs to be traded. It's absolutely well, insane. I, I tell you, though, as I mean, even as a Leaf fan, this is this is the case. But if you were a fan of any other team, Leaf Twitter after a loss is one of the funniest things. It's hysterical. Oh my it's God! Yeah, absolutely awesome. The stuff you see, and I know because you you see it too. Like wow. On the other hand, I, I am a believer that you can be too patient, and and we seem to focus on hey, you, you know. In life, understandably, you're probably better off being a patient person. Well, you are. You're better off being a patient person than an impatient person. There is such a thing as too patient. And I, I, I think you're right. Dubas has made some, some deals. The, the actual things that we've said we've need, needed, are they the right ones? Well, only time's going to tell that. But... You're also right about you know what happened at the beginning of the season that that was somebody was being too patient. Yep. Right. Somebody who had the authority said, "No, let's hang on and 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 give it a little longer." And Dubas was too patient with Hutchinson. Hey, God bless him for giving giving the guy. A, I I don't even think that Hutchinson could walk away from this and go, "I got I got shafted." It, I I don't know how he could. I know that it's much easier to look at, you know, other other people's shortcomings than our own. But but Hutch, Hutchinson was given a fair shake here. Oh no, he definitely had more than his fair share of starts. I mean, I'll give you a guy that maybe didn't get the fairest of shake. It was Leonis Enroth when he was at the Maple Leafs. I mean, I think it was what three or five games he got, and he got the hook. But I only think it was three to be honest. But Hutchinson made his own bed. He needs to lie in it. Unfortunately, he had the opportunities, and I've said it all year with Hutchinson. Whenever the Leafs were down when he was in net, and they got a little mo and they closed the gap, what would happen is he would let one of those goals in, 
and it just deflated the team. They just couldn't get back from it. But they'd get within one, or they'd get close, and then he let in a softy. And that was what killed him. And one of those Chicago games that you're talking about, I think that was one of them right there, because I think they were down 6-4, and they made it 6-5, or maybe it was 5-4 or something like that, or 5-3, and they made it 5-4. And he let in the sixth goal. It was a little little blooper through the legs, and it just deflated the lips. Yeah, that was uh, that was game over right there. Well, I, I, I they, they, so they made a move. Now we see how the move uh, works out, and and you know, really importantly for for Jack Campbell, here's a guy who's gonna he's getting he's getting rubber from moment one. We're not gonna hear him complain that he's not seeing much action. He's gonna be going to be thrown right into the uh, into the fire here in Toronto. Well, I think the good thing with this is it's a player that a, the GM is familiar with, like I said. I already made a trade for him in junior. And also, a little unknown fact, or maybe a known fact now because it's probably been blowing up all over social media, uh, Kyle Dubas was Kyle Clifford's agent at one point in life. So he knows both players very well. Um, you know, So he has his fingerprints on these guys. Maybe these are the guys he coveted, and he just had to wait for the right price. And I mean, who knows what the price is going to be, but if the Leafs go to the third round of the playoffs like I said they would, are we going to be that mad? They finally got over the hump and they made it a little bit of noise, and then we see what we do in the off season. But, you know, I look at this squad, I look at the talent, and I look at the fact that they shouldn't be where they are. They should be further up. But, again, I look at a lot of the missteps, like you said. You look at the misstep with Badcock, the misstep with Hutchinson, but at the same time, you know, maybe – as Leafs fans, maybe our patience will pay off and this squad will reward us with a little bit of a run. Well, let's hope so. And, and uh, you know what, I'm really, really impressed with some of the things I'm, I'm hearing this morning already uh, about you know, Kyle Clifford specifically. Not as a player, and we know you're not going to win or lose the Stanley Cup because of, uh, of Kyle Clifford, but the comments mostly are about his, and this is coming from people in, in Los Angeles or in the organization, Incredibly hardworking, protective, which is, you know, I mean, kind of a Roman Polak yep. sort of a don't mess with my guys type of thing, and a great guy in the room. And I, and I think that, you know, back to one of the themes here in this conversation, the maturity, having a guy like that in the room, I think, can do incredible spiritual things for, for a group of guys, a guy that will have your back a guy that has your interests at heart, a guy who wants to win as a team, a guy who knows his place, he knows where he's going to fit into the team, and the you know whether or not he, I hope he doesn't go David Clarkson on us, <laughs> but, but I don't think it's going to be long before we see what Kyle Clifford will be willing to do for his teammates in Toronto. Well, it'll be good to add a little bit of that because obviously having Kyle Clifford now hardworking player reminds me of Zach Hyman when you start using those qualities and then you have a guy who likes to hit and Jake Muzzin so now we're adding a few of those and you know I always say when you have one guy doing it usually he drags the rest of them to the fight so maybe having a few more of these guys in the lineup will add you know dragging these guys to the fight as well I I don't disagree you see a guy out there who doesn't have superstar level talent who's always working who then turns around and has your back against the guy who did something sketchy to you, how can you possibly have anything but love and respect for that guy on your team? And I, I believe 
that the guys feel the same way about Jake Muzzin, right? Oh. You can see how you can see his effect on the team. Oh, for sure. Well, when he came back with uh, Justin Hall, like I said, it looked like a, a solid D pair. It looked like we got Justin Hall back at the same time. So, you know, yeah, definitely. Maybe he had Kyle Clifford in there, and he's playing on the third line with uh, Kapanen and Spezzo or Kapanen and Goat or whoever is in that, that, that third hole. And next thing you know, you got a line because you got somebody who's got some jam, guys who got speed, and someone who can crash the net, like Kyle Clifford as well. So I'm excited to see what he can bring. He's, he made the deal. Was it desperation? I don't know. Like I said, he knows both of these players. But I think it was a deal to help the team and to help the players in the room to say, hey, I've got your back. We got this. It's coming in. We're trying to do things. We're trying to make moves. Just stay the course. Listen to the coach. Get your victories. And we should be all right. And making a move like this just shows that the GM has the the best in mind for his players and that he's not you know, just saying, figure it out, it's in the room. Obviously, he knows they need to address these weaknesses. Do, do you, are you optimistic that they will make another move and, and get that one more storied piece before the 26th? 100%. Oh, you think they will? Yep, I do. I, I do, and the reason why is, you look at the Marlies the other night, uh, Jeremy Bracco was scratched for personal reasons. He's not happy with his role with the Marlies. Um, thinks he's NHL ready, wants to be up with the big squad. And obviously, we got loaded up front already. Um, you look at a guy like Kapanen, already a little bit of issues with Elise, a uh, player like Andreas Janssen, lots of upside. Um, but where do these players all fit? There's a log jam there now, right? So you look at other guys that may be ready very soon, like a Korshikov. Um, you start looking at the Marlies, and who else is, like I said, Agostino's down there, Auberg's down there. Lots of guys are there. So... Yes, I think there's going to be a move, especially, like I said, with Brackle being scratched and then uh, Cappy was to sleeping in and the issues. I think that was just showing. I think Cappy would be the one that stays and Janssen's the one that goes. Um, I think they put that out there so everybody knew about it for the fact maybe it was beneficial to Kapanen to say, hey, we believe in you. We're going to discipline you. It's going to be public. And, you know, maybe this is something that will help you understand that you're a big part of this team. You need to smarten up. You know, get your well, stuff if together. That, if, that's, if that's the case, that is certainly that, – that's forward thinking. I hadn't thought about that aspect. And it could have been. The message could have been twofold to Cappy. Don't do that again. And, hey, here's – yeah, that's a good point. By the way, 24th of Monday, so not the 26th. I think I said 26th. Um, yeah, I, I'm not quite as optimistic, and only because I think the price is going to be prohibitively high because it is the Leafs, and and I can't imagine anyone in the in the East making that sort of a deal. And uh, I, I, it's going to be fascinating. I mean, I think this could be unless something gets done before the 24th, this could be an actual trade line day worth watching. Oh, I agree with you there. I think the Leafs will strike before the deadline. Um, it seems to be Kyle Dubas's MO if you look at the last two years for him. Got Muzzin early and was done. Um, you know, gone and done this deal here before the deadline as well. I think that you'll see something, if it's going to happen by the end of next week. Um, but I do think that they'll add a piece. Um, you look at a guy like Dumba or Manson. Um, you go, you keep going down the list. There's lots of guys that are available. Um just like last year for the Toronto Maple Leafs, I think it'll be someone that jumps out that we didn't expect. Um, Muzzin was only talked about the Saturday before he was acquired. 
uh, as a possibility. So it would just just by the wire that we found out, oh, Muzzin's available. But I think it's going to be a guy that is a good player that nobody's talking about, and that's what's going to happen. Again, such a such a huge part of the, the, the multiple changes in the organization in the last seven or eight years. There, there was a time when, and there were a number of Leafs GMs who, who did this, who would, you know, call a reporter and float uh, a potential trade, see how it played out, see what the, what the five was, and then that name gets added out there from the organization itself. So you'd have two or three players that you'd already heard of. I, I totally concur. This could be somebody totally out of the blue because none of us have the slightest clue what these guys are talking about behind closed doors. No, and you always hear, you know, when big trades get done, that they were started at least almost a year in advance. The tire kicking, the what would you want fours, you know, then the draft. And then you have, you're going through the summer, and then throughout the season, then trade deadline, and then maybe it's the next summer the deal actually finally happens. You know, how long, I can think of how long the Toronto Maple Leafs were chasing Tyson Berry before this happened, and that was, you know, through Lou Lamorello and beyond that they were trying to get uh, Tyson Berry that was rumored the Leafs wanted him, so... You know, these things take time. Sometimes it's complicated to move the pieces. But the fact of the matter is, I have I have faith they will make one more deal to shore up the defense. They know they need to. And I have fact, 100% faith, this team makes the playoffs, takes that third spot in the Atlantic, and we have a fun series against the Tampa Bay Lightning in April. There's still two more against Florida, right? Well, I believe we have two more games against Florida, yep. Well, those those become... Well, I mean, they're, they're, they're huge. I mean, from, from one thing that it, I think is far more, and again, I, I think as, as fans, sometimes, you know, we have to separate what we may find entertaining or exciting and what is actually good for our team. It was good that the Leafs at this time last year pretty well knew where they were going to end up and who they were going to play against. So, there was a long string of games that, yeah, still watch them, but you knew not nothing was going to change. This is the polar opposite this year. We, like, I mean, nobody thought we'd be talking about playoffs in or out in in February if you'd asked us in the summer. But that's where we find ourselves. What that does, and it's amazing as a fan, is it makes every game important. The downside of that is that the eggs that are laid become even more devastating as fans like the Florida game one they yeah. should have won um, but they did address that, that problem I really hope they addressed it with the right guy and he's going to come in here with a clean slate and uh, wishing Jack Campbell the best between the pipes I hope he does a really good job and I'll just touch on one thing before I let you go today John you know I, I'm, a, I'm on a different mindset of the fact that it's good to be comfortable sitting and waiting and knowing who you're playing. I'd rather a team be battling like the Leafs is and, and come in guns a-blazing. You look at Columbus last year and what they did to Tampa Bay because they had to claw and fight and scrape to get themselves into the playoffs, and they were already battling and playing playoff hockey before the playoffs began. So maybe that might be the calling card for the Leafs this year of not being able to be complacent and think, ah, we're already in, we'll wait and play Boston. You know, things are great, things are rosy. This year they're going to have to fight to earn it, and they will earn it, and they'll be, you know, humming all cylinders ready to go. 
true enough, but we, we know that the, the downside of that is you don't want to be the team that misses the playoffs by a point. Nope, nope. Right? Like, and, and you're, I, I, I totally agree. I think there was something to last year. There was complacency as fans, as an organization. We know what we're doing. And, and I, I totally agree that that team coming in, guns a-blazing, making the playoffs on the last weekend, that would fire anybody up. There was another team that didn't make the playoffs, and their season ended that day. Yep, and that's that's I think the concern. But it does. Every game's exciting now. I mean, we're playing Anaheim on on Friday night. Would you have thought you'd care about the Leafs in Anaheim on a Friday in February, the way things were looking in the off season? I don't know. Being the guy that does all those hype videos for every game, I get up for every game. So <laughs> yeah, I know you do, buddy. Yeah, you know, I I will say, James, I I, I love your enthusiasm, man. You, you come hard every game. You're into it. There's, you know, the, I mean, now I think we do have that built-in inspiration because of the importance of every game. But you, you hit it hard every game, buddy. I love it. Well, I super appreciate that, John. It means a lot, and again, it means a lot having you on as well. So I want to thank you very much for stopping by yet again. It's amazing how fast almost an hour goes. So I appreciate it, and we will talk again soon, my friend. Hopefully, when the Leafs are on the cusp of making the playoffs. You got it, James. Thank you very much. No problem, my friend. We'll talk soon.